Facebook. I got in touch with an old friend of mine from high school, and then we grew up outside Philadelphia in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and he lives in Santa Monica, and for the last two and a half years, we've hung out with each other every once in a while, and it's really amazing, because I went to his place, you know, now he's, he knows the lovely Joanne, and I know his girlfriend, and... I always laugh when you see someone that you've known for so long. I've known this guy for so long that when we were in high school, we both graduated in 1982, we sat there with like five of us one morning at like 8.30 in the morning playing quarters. It made no sense. I don't know why we were drinking and we went to school drunk, which was idiotic, but I got to see my friend Rich Wood, so that was good. So anyway, we have a great show. I know my guest is Elizabeth Daly, E.G. Daly. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Now, you grew up out here. I did, yeah. So now, are you still in friends with people like you grew up with? Do you you talk? Is it different in L.A.? Because in my hometown, everyone's still sort of around. Yeah, New York or Jersey people, yeah. Um, I'm actually, I have a lot of my older friends, but I don't really hang out with tons of them, but I'm, I'm connected to them. Like when there's certain things or events, I'll get together with them. And mostly, um, yeah, I would say not so much, not so much as like, I know my, my, uh, baby daddy, uh, Rick Solomon, he's, he's real close with all his friends from Jersey and you know, it's so funny and they're all here now. So they hang out here. So it's now. good they're here. Cause I went to my high school reunion and everyone was yeah. back there still, but they're all doing great. Yeah. But it's like, wow. And I'm like, the winters suck. Come to LA. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So I got to ask you, so, uh, you've, you've been singing and doing voices and acting for a long time, when did you get your start? When did you know you wanted to follow the career that you've ended up being in? Um, I didn't really know. Everything sort of unfolded itself to me as I, I mean, I was little when I started going on commercial auditions when I was maybe eight or nine years old. And I didn't really like it then. I just felt like it was the thing to do when you were a kid in Hollywood. And I sort of felt strange from the beginning because they wanted to change my name. And I was like, wait, what's wrong with my name? And they're like, you know, Gutman, French Jew name doesn't cut it in Hollywood. So you're going to change it to daily. And so things were like changing around me. And um, I didn't really like it, but I knew that I liked dance and I knew that I liked singing and acting sort of grew into me. So it was really as young as um, eight and nine that I started picking up guitar books and teaching myself how to play guitar. And um, and then I just continued. And then it wasn't until like high school that I started doing a lot of the theater productions and stuff and started to really understand what that was about. Now, is guitar one of your first loves? I mean, it's great that you self-taught yourself because it's, so, it's always good when people self-teach themselves because I know people who have taken lessons and they're so technically, they're technically sound, but creatively they suck. But, yeah. But some people who, when you teach yourself, I think you... you you can just do anything because you're not sitting there going to have to play this note and this note. I mean, was it was it something, was music in your family? I mean, what, Yeah, what? it's definitely my, I mean, my oldest brother, Sam Gutman, he plays bluegrass guitar probably better than anyone I've ever heard. He He's like a bluegrass uh, player, but just like you've never heard anybody play like him. I think you can find him on Balcony TV LA, Sam Gutman. He's pretty phenomenal and he writes his own pieces of bluegrass material. But And then my other brother sings kind of jazz and my other brother plays jazz guitar and my other brother plays a little trumpet and he sings and my sister's a painter and everybody's just an artist in my family. You come from a very big family. Yeah, five kids. I mean, so that's pretty cool and you're all artistic, which is great. Were, you, yeah. were, you, were your parents artistic Not at all? Not so much, which is really strange. My parents, actually I'd have to say my dad... My mom is a super smart like businesswoman. She was always like the brains, and my dad was artistic. But I didn't I didn't realize it till I got older that he is constantly building and developing things that were so amazing. Like he'll take an old barn and make it look like something incredible, like from a movie set. So he is an artist in his own constructive in his construction way. Like he's a construct he's a contract. He was a contractor. So I think 
I never realized till now when I see he's an older man now, he's like 85, but he's pretty talented in that he just designs things and, you know, he's a farmer, you know, so he's just like rustic and he'll take a piece of junk and make it look like something beautiful. So I think there's just art everywhere in my family. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that none of us really were that educated. You know, it was hard. It was, uh, I, I think my oldest sister went to college. That was pretty much it. No, but were you just not into school? I mean, was it just something that did it bore you, or did you just want to be create? Or, I mean, like, a day in school for you, were you an okay student? I was really good in dance and drama and PE, and the rest was a big struggle for me. Like, a really super struggle. I mean, I cheated my way through many classes. I wrote answers on my wrist, on my foot. I was like a gangster. Isn't it great? Like, back then, when I think about yeah. it, you know, it's like, that was, like, cool, like, when you cheated on your hands. Now, it's yeah. like, it's not kid, cool. kids now, they don't, first of all, you can't cheat. I mean, especially now, I mean. It's I, bad. And yeah. I always look at it, like, we, we had, like, to work. If we wanted to do a term paper, we just couldn't pop on, you know, the computer. We had to go to, like, the library and go to microfiche or do this. And yeah. you're like, oh, in college for me, it's like, yeah. I have to go to the library. Now, it's like, Kids write a paper, and oh, it's just—it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So now in high school, you're, yeah. you're doing theater. Yeah. And now, then you live in LA. So you, you were going out. Were you booking auditions, uh, commercials when you were younger? Yeah, I was. I went on a lot of auditions from the time I was eight until I was probably fifteen. And you booked stuff? No, no. I didn't book anything until I finally booked the leader of the Angora Debs in an episode of Laverne and Shirley. And that was my first big thing. And I was like, wow, I finally booked something. Now, was this, how old were you when you booked that? 15, I think. Okay, so you were young. So, I, was, I mean, yeah. you're still, but to be a leader of the Encore Debs, that's was, a yeah, good age. I was, I was cool. So, so yeah. you got that. So that must have been a, a vote of confidence for you. It was. It was kind of a final. It was like, well, it had taken a while. And I sort of just got used to not booking. And I thought that, I thought that was what it was. You just didn't book for a while. But that's not necessarily the case, but that's how it was for me. And um, it was pretty incredible. I just remember just feeling like I really want, I really worked my butt off on the audition and I booked it. And Which is funny because a lot of the things I book these days are not really ever from auditions. They're just like people that will just hire me or, you know. But it seemed like when I was younger, I really hustled. I hustled a lot. And I studied a lot. I was really into like every kind of class you could take. Like I wanted to be the best at what I did. I wanted to be known for somebody that was really good at what I did and not so much as like, oh, she's really famous, which is funny because my career sort of took that turn where I wasn't like the huge household name. Um, sometimes my name pops up more than others, but I was more known for being that woman who is good at what she does. You know what I mean? Well, people, I mean, you, everyone remembers you from the movie. What did you start getting into the movies like Valley Girl? Well, how long, I mean, what was that phase? Because you did Laverne and that was Shirley. That's awesome, yeah. I mean, from Laverne and Shirley, what was your steps? Because well, you yeah, I graduated high school, and then I booked. I did book the Laverne and Shirley, and I booked a Chips episode, and I booked Fame. I was recurring a couple characters, a character that recurred on the series Fame, and then I, and then I just, um, and then I just started booking these feature films. I did like The Escape Artist for Francis Ford Coppola, and then I did Valley Girl, and then there was Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and there was a series of horror films like Wacko and One Dark Night, and it was just almost like a whirlwind of like I didn't realize while I was in it that I was kind of like the it girl at that time. I was I didn't realize it, but then later I look back and I'd see like casting looking for an Elizabeth Daly type, and I was like, wait, that's wait a minute, they didn't even call my check to see if I was available. <laughs> you know, that was some crazy times, but it was pretty cool too, you know. So it was like, it just sort of started flowing and during that whole period of time I was doing 
a lot of music. I was out with on the Sunset Strip with my brother in bands playing across the strip. You know, so I was constantly doing some kind of music project and constantly doing a movie. Now, how could you balance that? Because, I mean, movies, I mean, take up a lot of time. And you were, you were working a lot. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, how would you, would you, would, when you sang with them, was it music you wrote? Was it music they wrote? I mean, how would you sit there and figure out what music you do? Well, it depended. Like, the band I was in, my brother, it was called Overman. It'd be so cool to find that footage. But um, that was stuff the band wrote, and they just, I was the sister. And so I came in and sang. And then I was in a band called Ronnie's Angels, and that was music that was covers. And then, then I got into, just started doing my own music. And when I used to play at my mom's club, the Anti-Club, which was pretty renowned and broke a lot of artists like Chris Isaacs and Dwight Yoakam had played there and Black Flag and Exene and a lot of... Um, you know, from the past, some really cool punk rock bands. So I started playing there different nights. I had like country western night and acoustic night. And that's when I started really finding my own, you know, I was always writing music. I have songs I wrote when I was really young that I'm still playing. So um, I don't know, just things, there's always time. It just seems like there's always, it's funny how people think there's not enough time. There's so much time. I mean, the amount of stuff I get done is crazy. Like right now I just produced a video. Uh, my daughter, Hunter Daly, is a singer. My other daughter, Tyson, is a singer, too. She's in the studio with all kinds of producers. And my other daughter, I'm producing, we shot a video, and then at the same time, I'm cutting a record for myself for a brand new magic project that I haven't even launched or told anybody about yet till probably now. And I just posted something last night. But, you know, there's there's a lot of time. You know, it's just, are you using your time smarter, or are you just kind of loafing around? How is it producing your daughters? That would seem very, very interesting because you're your mom, and yeah. you know, and, and any mom is a disciplinary, disciplinarian, and you're, you're, yeah. you're and now your daughters. They're probably like, yeah, that's oh good. god, I got to hear this again. <laughs> you but, must be a dad. But you, but you know, you know what you're doing. So uh-huh. did they want you to prove? Was that was it a? Well, here's how it works. That's a good question. Are you dad? Is that what you're asking? No, me? I just wondered. No. Okay. Well, my younger daughter is in the studio working with the whole tribe of people. And she is the one that's more like wants to do it on her own and wants to not necessarily have me involved in it because she wants to kind of make me proud, I think, on her own. And my other daughter, my Hunter Daly, she's um, the 19-year-old, and she she's a lot like me, and she wants me to be there for everything. She's that kid that just relies on me, relies on my opinion, and trusts trust me. She's kind of on the same spiritual plane as she's on a very she's very similar she resonates the same kind of energy as me and so for some reason that works with her where she wants me to participate in all her stuff and and that's why she's gonna she's going to NYU I think uh, and so I think that will be good for her because then she'll get a chance to like find her own stuff too without you know call, you know leaning on she doesn't lean on me she just She's that kid that just, she really trusts me. And it's amazing to have your own kid actually trust you. That is great. And also, such, and it's such a different kind of trust. I mean, it's a trust of... Art. Of, yeah. And so now, would yeah. you ever do a duet with them? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? We're working on stuff right now. See, that's so cool. Yeah. So now, now when Valley Girl came out, yeah. when you were in it, I mean, I don't know when it came... I mean, I'm, that's my age. I mean, yeah. so I yeah. love that movie. And all my friends love that movie. Yeah. And it's just, you always remember that movie. Yeah. Did you think it would last for all the, I mean, it's it's still so relevant. I mean, and that's before the John Hughes movies, pretty yeah. much. And it's just one of those movies, like I'll see on Facebook, someone will post, hey man, I just watched Valley Girl. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't it great? And then people <laughs> I know back east go, oh, it's great. Did you think, I mean, when because the movie was, it's, it was looked lower budget, has a great soundtrack. And, uh, it was very low budget. And so, I mean, what was that like? I mean, did you, it must never, be weird. You know, I'm thinking a million years. Like, I never thought Pee Wee's Big Adventure was going to be a blow up that huge. You just don't, you don't know 
and the good thing for me is that I just kept moving forward and I didn't really tend to look back too much. I just sort of do them and I enjoy the memory and the project and the people. And I, I don't remember the dates usually, but I remember the experience and how I felt. And then I just moved forward. And then the beautiful, the same with Rugrats. I mean, I did Rugrats and then they were like, oh, Rugrats won an Emmy. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And like, oh, Rugrats is doing even better now. Oh, Rugrats is doing a feature film now. So I don't really... I don't really sit around and wait for the... I don't know. You don't know. I right. I mean, you just never know. That's when people are like, oh, this is going to be the big hit. I mean, this is going to be a huge hit. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, talk to me later. I don't really want to spend time talking about... I just sort of stay in the moment. Try to enjoy the beauty of the project and the people and the experience. And then when they happen, like they do for Pee Wee or Valley Girl or, you know, any of the shows I've done that became really successful, it was always such a beautiful surprise. Now... Was it weird getting recognized? I'm sure everyone, off those two movies, because everyone saw those movies, yeah. people must have recognized you. And, yeah. and you were in commercials and you were singing. So you, you had the ground, you sound like you're very grounded. Yeah. And it must be weird though when someone just comes up and goes, oh my God, especially because you are a young age. And you said, you know, you started out, you know, you had all those, I mean, it sounds weird. You had seven years of rejection from eight to 15. So yeah. thank God, you know, it's not now <laughs> and not then. But uh, <laughs> what was it like just for when you first started getting recognized? It must be very weird because you are young. It's not like someone who gets their break when they're 40. I mean, was it yeah. different for you? Um, uh, I would say... Um I've had different moments of breaks at different points in my life. I mean, I just had a break at 50 on The Voice recently. I mean, it was like people that didn't know me that were like, oh, my God, that woman sings. She's the woman we've been seeing on Friends and Smelly Cat episode. And she's the same woman that was Pee Wee. And she's the same woman that was Rugrats. It's like I keep having different breaks at different points in my life. And to me, they're just these little these like waves that come in, you know, like surfing. You know, you're like surfing and sometimes it's kind of mellow. And then sometimes a big wave comes. And, and the beauty is also in the sitting on your board, supposedly. I'm not a big surfer, but from all my super close friends that surf, that seems to be the thing is like they enjoy just sitting on the, you know, there right. are moments where it's pretty common. So um, I don't really, when I'm in the big break, it's sometimes I don't really know I'm in the big break until I'm out of it again. And then I look back and go, Wow, I was in a big break just now. We gotta go to break. Yeah. Uh, just feel. Speaking now, of break, break exactly. Break. I just See saw Van. I, I saw, worked that out. I know. I saw you. Van Halen on uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. And he did uh, one break coming up. My favorite Van <laughs> Halen. Are you on Twitter? I am. Yeah, at Real EG Daily is Twitter. At Real EG Daily and Instagram is Real EG Daily and regular EG Daily Facebook. Do you tweet a lot? I do. I try to. Yeah, okay. I'm well, on people, there. People yeah. follow her and don't fo forget to follow me at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website CooperTalk.net where I have about 360 episodes up. We're talking to EG Daly, Elizabeth Daly. We call her both. Yeah. I want to talk more about the voice because we're going to talk about her career. It's been great, but I want to talk about the voice because it just blew people's socks off. Anyway, we'll be back. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only a sip as my guest. Talk to you in a few. Attention all mobile phone users. Here is your chance to win free money, free prizes, receive product discounts, even have someone else pay your phone bills. All this, including the world's best jokes, funny video links, inspirational quotes, and more. Subscribe now at freemobileoffers.com. There are no sign-up fees, and you can cancel your subscription at any time. For more information, visit freemobileoffers.com. Once again, that's www.freemobileoffers.com. 
Sending out your resume and hearing nothing? Employers use new computerized systems designed to eliminate qualified applicants just like you. These systems are a resume black hole. Dr. Karen Gurney has a way to beat the system. Pledge $1 at changehiring.org to get Dr. Gurney's tips to beat the system. At changehiring.org, pledges go to new program development to support career changers. Visit changehiring.org. Invest a dollar. Beat the system. Changehiring.org. This just in, Los Angeles, a $10 million silver giveaway event. You can check it out online. Visit www.silvergiveaway.org. Register now. You must be 18 or older. That's www.silvergiveaway.org. You must be 18 or over. You don't want to miss out on the giveaway of free silver. Call Dale now at 512-851-7977. Call Dale now at 512-851-7977 to get more details. Once again, that website is www.silvergiveaway.org. Register, you must be 18 or older. You don't want to miss out on someone giving away free silver. Find out all about it. Give Dale a call. Area code 512-851-7977 for more details. With Supershopper.org, you can post your ad online in just 60 seconds. That's fast. That means that old junk sitting in your garage can be online in less time than it takes for you to stub your toe while looking for the light switch. List your electronics, furniture, automotive, garage sales, and more. If you can legally buy it and sell it, it's on. Supershopper.org. Job postings just 25 bucks. Everything else free. That means you can post your resume, get a job, find an apartment, furnish it, sell your car, buy an SUV, adopt a pet, find a house, get a mortgage, find a handyman, sell the house, buy a beach house, buy a surfboard. Supershopper.org. Now you get it. Welcome back to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. We're here with E.G. Daly today, and we're going to talk about her great career, and we're going to talk about The Voice right now, and we'll talk about her other stuff, but The Voice is very interesting because it's such a big hit, and, and she blew the socks off people when she showed up. So we're here with E.G. Daly. So so The Voice, how did that come about? Because you now you sang for years. Now, didn't you, you write the soundtrack? You wrote something for Better Off Dead. Um, I sang a couple songs on that soundtrack, yeah. And now, was that your Mind fir- Over Matter with Michael J. produced it and uh, some other songs, yeah. Now, was that one of your first musical recordings that went to a movie or went to no, TV? No, there were many. There was like Thief of Hearts and Breakfast Club and Babe and Rugrats. And there were a lot of sound. Yeah, those were after, but some of them were before. No, I had been doing a lot of soundtracks, actually. What, what did you sing at Breakfast Club? Because I know Robbie, I Robbie Benson wrote one of the songs. Yeah, and I had the song Waiting and uh, that Keith Forsey produced, who was Billy Idol's producer, and Waiting and um, I think one other one. I just don't remember it. So you've been singing these songs yeah. and you've been doing the soundtracks and then, you know, and you've been doing the voice work, which we'll talk yeah. about. But then the voice. Now, what, what sits there? I mean, it's like, it's so different. That's one thing I, I hated when we talked off air about American Idol. Because I hated about American Idol was that all these... Uh, and I hate to say it, all these like these people who, to me, don't deserve a break. And I, I'm not just I'm not in a singer, but some of these people who are like 22 and they get voted, like how Adam Lambert didn't win American Idol is a joke because he was awesome. But he was awesome. Middle America doesn't want a gay man to win, and that's what bothers me. Really? But some so American Idol, I always think it's it vote, but the voice you have, it's there's talent. And now, yeah. how did you sit there? What made you sit there and say, I want to be on the Voice? Well, I didn't actually. Actually, what happened was I had gone through a period where I ha- I wasn't doing hardly any music and I wasn't working a lot and I was kind of in this fearful sort of state, which people go through sometimes in life. And I was sort of in this like weird, like, what's going on and what am I going to do with my life? And my kids are getting bigger and I guess, is this it? I just have to now 
you know, only make sure I'm just being the best mom ever. Cause that was always my priority is to be the best mom ever. And I'm still, it's still my priority, but there was a period where I just started to fall into some fear that maybe, you know, it was too late to do things that I loved anymore. Blah, blah, blah. So all this non-truths that I started to fall into, which was not me at all ever. I was always a leader and always made my own choices. And, and one of the things when I finally came out of that period of time, which was a very dark period, was um, I started saying yes to everything that I loved and leaning into things that I desired. It was very simple. And, and, uh, and so I, I went to a party and the woman that was hosting the party, I didn't know. And she said, oh, I, I love your singing. Would you sing a song on my show called Balcony TV LA, which is on the Internet? It's all over the world. They have Balcony TV Sweden, Balcony TV Ireland. And so I said, oh, no, I haven't been playing music lately. And she said, no, you should do, just do, come do one song. So I finally agreed to do one because it was part of my new game, which was to say yes to everything that I love to do. Even though it was a little scary because I hadn't been singing that much. I was going to say that's so for me. Like I, I did stand up comedy for years, but yeah. then I got out of it. You get and, rusty, and, and and it's and you have that fear, and you also yeah. have that fear that you go back and you go, yeah. "Well, I stopped doing it. Maybe I'm just not that good anymore." Yeah, there was a lot of fear, and I was nervous. And I said, "I haven't been playing that much, and I usually have a band. I don't have a band." She goes, "Just you on guitar." So I pushed myself. I pushed myself, and I le- I like to lean into the fears sometimes, and I push myself and. That was a beautiful experience. And then out of that, I ended up, they asked me to host a lot of those balcony TVs at LA. So I host those. Now, what the balcony TV, is it actually on a balcony? Uh-huh. Or, yeah, it's uh, on a balcony. And in is it in different places or always yeah, at one place? Yeah, different balconies. And the ones that I host, I actually host at m- on my balcony, which is beautiful. And uh, yeah, and it's an awesome show because you get like the most amazing talent that comes in. And out of this thing that I do as a labor of love, it's just, you know, it's something I love to do. I talk to musicians. We talk about the songs they write and where they come from and how they started. And um, it's so awesome. And so the same woman that asked me to host, I just hosted Lifehouse, which is one of my favorite bands. So talk about doing something that I love to do. Okay. Then she called me up and said, oh, can you host uh, this band for me on Saturday? And I was like, oh, what band? She's like, Lifehouse. I'm like... Oh my God, that's my that's one of my favorite right. bands. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. So, they're you know here's the thing I do because I love it, and then I end up get to hang out with the guys that I love. One of my favorite bands. So, she ended up calling me one day and said, um, "Ed, I hope you don't get mad at me, but I got you an audition for The Voice because I just you know I believe in you." And I was like, "Now, were you watching The Voice before you? Yeah, did it? I'd been watching okay. it like crazy. I mean, I was I would always think to myself, if I were on that show, I'd be on Team Blake." You know, I would. I had already been saying that in my head, but I never thought I was going to put myself on that show. Why Team Blake? Because I really like. I really like um, country music. I mean, I sing everything. I've done huge. I've had huge dance record success, and but at the time, I was doing this like acousticy stuff that was more singer songwriter, and and I think I really like how they embrace any age. I like the age range factor. There's a lot of dignity in. The fact that it's not about the newest twelve-year-old or sixteen-year-old, and there are some talented twelve and sixteen. My kids, my kids are amazing. Like Tyson and Hunter, are amazing singers. But I just don't think it's always just about age, and I think it's got to be about something more real. And I think that country music embraces like people of different ages, and I just really like that. So I was just going like, I'm going to do that market, you know? Because again, who, who? I don't let people sort of tell me which where to go. Nobody runs my. You know what I mean? I just kind of go with what felt right. And you're creative. Whatever you're creative. Yeah, I'm, an you, you, I'm an artist. Right. I'll sing any song. I'll sing an opera song or a freaking musical theater song. or I don't care what it is. It's like I just love to sing. So I don't limit myself by any considerations. And I ended up um, 
you know, she said, you should go. And I was like, no, 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 they're not going to put me on the show. I already kind of established. And no, she goes, no, you don't. You fit the qualifications. You're not on a record label. You're, I haven't had a record deal since the 80s. I have my own labels, you know, that I did. But I have my own music I put on YouTube and Internet. You guys can see all kinds of my music up on Amazon that I put out. Do you have a YouTube channel? Um, yeah, EG Daily. Okay. Just go to EG Daily. And and a lot of songs we can go see. The yeah, songs there's out. videos and then there's tons of music on Amazon and uh, YouTube. I mean, iTunes. Just go to iTunes and look up EG Daily. There's tons of stuff up there that I release. And I just, again, do it as, as a labor of love. And, and I went on this audition for The Voice out of like, I'm just going to go have fun and I'm going to go learn some cover songs. And if anything, nothing else, I'll get, to, I'll know some great songs for some karaoke night with my friends. Right. So I thought, well, there's no loss. You know, I brought my friend Lee Miles, who's an amazing singer songwriter, and he played with me. And, and the next thing you know, after months of auditioning and I just kept running with it, I got I somehow I, I was standing on that stage. Uh, on that stage that I normally watch from my television, seeing the back of those chairs, now I was in front of those chairs going, what the heck am I doing? I know, it must have been just something, it's like anything, you've you've had an established career, and this yeah. is something, a show you watch, yeah. and yeah, it's different, because it's like, and there's millions, I mean, millions, millions of millions. people watching. And people were also quick to judge, like, well, why are you on that show? And the reason why I was on that show is because they weren't asking me to be a judge on that show. They weren't asking me to work on that show. And to me, it was like, I will do whatever to do whatever to do my singing, or do, you know what I mean? So it's like, some people were like, you're too you're too established to be on that and it's like well if I'm so established why don't I have a major record deal with a major singer right. on the radio so it's like I'm not really that cocky I will do whatever I need to do if it's singing in a garage at a party you know to have fun I'll do it you know what I'm saying oh yeah well I think that's always the way it should be I think the people who do well in this business will do I mean you know I'm a big Springsteen fan Mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, in New Jersey. It was like a Yoo-hoo, prerequisite. Are you kidding me? And, me too. And he, you, know, you would hear, he would just show up, you know, show up at gigs. I saw him at Anaheim. Mike Ness shows up and plays with him. You know, yeah. Tom Rell. I mean, and well, I think the real he, artists do. Yeah, the people who love their craft will do it anywhere. Heck yeah, and you know, yeah. So for you, so you're finally on that stage. I'm on that stage and I'm sitting there thinking, as I'm singing, I'm like, wow. I'm I'm my age. I was 50, and. uh and all of a sudden, and I just come through a really tough period in my life where I just, lo- I just lost some faith and got my faith back. I remembered what was important. And and then I was sitting there thinking, Any- you can make anything in your life happen. You can, you better start making your life happen is what I was thinking. Like, I did it. I actually pulled myself out of this little corner that I was stuck in. And I decided that I was going to make my life joyful and lean into all my desires and and lean into people that made me feel good and, and move away from things that didn't. And that meant people, that meant friends, that meant situations, that meant relationships, that meant whatever wasn't supporting a beautiful life with, you know, joy and, and kindness, I was moving away from. And... Yeah. No, I think we have to do that because I know I've gone that through that too. It's like sometimes, you know, there are people that are in your life, but then you forget they're toxic, you know, and they don't, they don't sit there and, and they don't push forward. And it's like, yeah. and, and you start feeling because then you start following into that. You fall into well, yeah, that crap and you're like, wait, I could be, you know, like for me, I, you know, if I had a problem with a friend, I'm like, wait, I could be trying to book a guest or do this, but I'm yeah. worried about, oh, well, did I piss someone off or this? And and we fall yeah. into that. And when you're creative, we're always not the most stable people. We, we have those self-doubts. And so yeah. it's like when you sit there and make that cut away, then all of a sudden you start empowering well, yourself. Well, yeah, the minute you get out of a bad relationship, you, you watch how your career starts floating or, you know, that's the thing. It's like you, you, the things I've, a lot of things I've read and learned about, it's like, who are your top six friends? Who are you hanging out with? 
who are the six people that you spend most of your time with? Because you will be like those people. So you better make sure those six people are inspiring, are, right. are got their act together, are taking good care of themselves and their friends, are doing well in their lives, are thriving. It's like, you know, my, my tribe of people is so beautiful and joyful. And it doesn't mean they're all like rich or it's not about money. It means they're joyful and they're working at being the best kind of people they can be and being a good friend and these are people that are operating on a, a higher plane, and I, I choose to put those six people around me that are, are beautiful people, you know. Were they all around you when you decided to do the voice? or um, There were a lot around me, but I was a little bit in a dark place, so I was kind of hiding out from some people myself because that's what I needed to do for that time period. And uh, But then, like, this woman, Cindy, was one of those ladies that was, like, such a messenger for me. She was this funny lady that just was like, do it. And I was like, who are you? Right. And since then, she's a great friend. And we hang out and we have coffees and I host bands with her. Like I said, I just hosted Lifehouse. And, um, you know, it, you know, it's you never know who's going to be the, the people that are going to inspire you to something amazing. So as a matter of fact, I, I do want to share before I forget is I just did an, um, a voiceover um, entertainment industry journey sem- seminar. And it's all about stuff like I'm talking about, but it goes a little bit deeper. And it also talks about the practical how-tos about voiceover. If you're, anybody's interested in voiceover, has a desire to do it, even on a little level. Um, this um, I'm going to make it available on digital download. We're editing it right now. So keep your eyes open on my websites. I'll have it. And it won't be too pricey so you can enjoy it. And, and it really does help inspire you towards moving into what you love. And also, again, if you like voiceovers, it'll, there'll be a lot of practical how-tos for that, too. So I just want to remember to tell you that. But, again, this you know all this came from having people around me that would inspire me to do things like that. And so when you hit the stage in a voice, did yeah. you did, I mean, did you think that... Everyone, because it's one of those things, and and true, because you people know of you, and yeah. it all of a sudden, like, it's like one of those things you see on yeah. TV. Can you guess who this is? Yeah. But it must have been uh, the response. Everyone loved you. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and what's that? I mean, they said, you know, oh my God, she can sing, which people don't know that. As you yeah. said, you've been singing for yeah. your whole yeah, life. No, no, no. Yeah. But what was that? I mean, first of all, when you went up on stage, did you feel confident when you when you when you hit the stage? Was, were you a little nervous? I was shaking in my boots. I was like terrified because it was it was putting myself on the line. It was taking myself, and I could have fallen. I could have looked like a dork. My kids were like, you know, I didn't want to look like embarrassing to my kids. Like, oh my mom, that's so embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? Right. And we all know what that feels like, that cringy, like, oh, they're like embarrassing. But I, I, there was a lot at risk and I just got pushed into it because I knew the little voice in me was like, you can do this and you're, you, you're, you know, you still got it going on and your voice is, you know, and, um, yeah, I was terrified. I was terrified at first and. I think you can see it if you watch The Voice. Um, go to YouTube and look out, look for E.G. Daily, The Voice, Breathe. Breathe is a song. And you can see a little, like, I was sort of like in, a, I was kind of in a daze at first. And I was literally thinking, what is going on here while I was singing? And then I'm like, that's Christina, that's that's Blake, that's Adam, that's CeeLo. And then all of a sudden, um, I started to feel connected. I just said, just be present. And all of a sudden, I started, like, something just opened up. And then Blake turned around, and then CeeLo turned around. And all I remember thinking was, like, that's CeeLo. <laughs> CeeLo turned around. Everything was slow motion. I was like, CeeLo looks like a penguin because he was wearing some kind of penguin suit shirt. And I was like, that's Blake Shelton. That's who I said I wanted to be on his team. And here I am. Talk about the power of intention, power of just a thought, you know. Now, how'd you choose a song that you want? I mean, because you said you were practicing and you learned, but how did you choose that one? And why did you think it worked right for you? Well, it was very age appropriate and it was 
I could take it and make it my own. Like it, I could put the edge of my voice into that song because it's kind of like a passionate song. But it also just the subject matter was mature. You know, it was a mature subject matter, and I like to kind of, you know, I like to feel it from where I'm coming from. And so it just it just sort of fit. And I, again, it was a country song, but I could make it have a little edge to it, which is what my voice has in it a little bit of edge. So. It was, and it's a combination of them. The people in the voice are really supportive too, because they want you to win. They really want everybody to win, and they help support you in what might be good for you. So it was kind of a group thing. Did you think though that the the it would be an over because you got a great response? Did you think it would be that from just Never. from from the public, not just like from people you know watching it? But I mean, just did you think and did, no. did, did your Twitter light up or did I mean what? Oh happened? yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I and not only that, but it's, I ended up getting like a ton of press because people were interested to know why I chose to be on it. And, and I, and I had to keep saying, I didn't choose to be on it. It chose to be on me. You know, it happened, you know, I, it happened because I chose to live my life and start having fun and connecting to what I loved. And so it chose me is how I felt. And I just got so much press from it. Like people were just like, I just had a ton of press and, and the press was, was interested in my point, my, why they wanted to know why. And, and they wanted to know how, how it felt. And what that moment felt like for me was it was almost like um, everything came together for me on that moment. Like everybody was able to go, oh, my God, that's a woman we've been growing up with on Rugrats. And, oh, that's the same woman we grew up watching on Friends. And, you know, I guess start on Friends, but a lot of people saw that. And, oh, that's that's the same woman who does Pee Wee, Dottie on Pee Wee. So it was like, you know, all of it came together. The woman who does the cartoon voice, the woman who does the actress voice. The voice, me, my voice as a person and my singing voice, all the voices of E.G. Daly, Elizabeth Daly came together on that stage. And that was what was so powerful about it. Well, I think it also, it's, it's also very empowering to people just yeah. for the fact that, you know, you were 50 when you went on. Most people sit there and go, you know, I can't do that. You yeah. know, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, yeah. I'm 50. I, what the hell? But oh, now, yeah. but now I always say it's, it's so funny how our people our age, how our we're so different than our parents. Like, like my dad would never wear like a t-shirt or a khaki. I wear hats, <laughs> you wear a hat. Or my mom would never wear, and if it was a hat, it'd be like one of those big, you know, those old lady hats. Like they were, they were so, it's just weird. A that, bonnet? Yeah, it's just, yeah, exactly. But isn't it weird how like parents, I mean, and you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but how people who are 50 now are just so much hipper. Oh yeah, it's so different. It's so different, yeah. And you know, you really are, you really are, you know, I, I like that saying too, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? I love that because, you know, that's really what you should go by. How old How old would you be? If you... I'd be 27. Okay. Why, why, why do you pick 27? Because I'd be not 22 anymore because I'd be like, oh, I'm more mature than that, but not quite like, I don't know. I just think um, out of school, but just beginning to like um, kick butt in my career. You know what I mean? And I'd be speaking up more. You know, I think that that's the things that I started to learn in the beginning, like 18, 19, 20, 22. These are the things I'm trying to teach my girls. But, you know, the things that I look back at and I wish that I there was only one thing I wish that I really had done different when I was. What's that? Um, it, it's and I shared this recently was uh, I just I wished I would have started learning to speak more honestly about how I felt early on because it changes your fate. You know, most of the time we're afraid what people are going to think or if it's going to sound mean or all those people pleasing aspects kick in. And so you don't speak the truth and the truth is so amazing. What the truth does is like creates this amazing intimacy with people, even though it hurts sometimes. So I think I've learned so powerfully that the truth and you're being truthful and honest 
honesty and integrity is so important that that would be the one thing that I would want to say that I try to really teach my kids is, is to learn to speak your truth early on, you know? Now, at what point of your life did you think you actually sit there, you came to this idea that you should speak was it at what age did you sit there and say i'm going to change and start speaking my truth i mean was it was it just recently or i mean at what age was it later maybe when you're 40 it was later it was definitely later because i was definitely one of those people was was concerned about hurting people's feelings or and what i realized you hurt people's feelings when you don't speak the truth you prolong pain and it's not a good thing just like when you're with someone that you love but you're not you don't want to be with them anymore you love them but you know you're not in love with them. That's a big difference. If you're trying to sustain a relationship and you know deep down, you keep hearing this little voice that says, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be in this. But you're like, oh, but then there's those few moments that are sweet. It's like, well, have some integrity and be willing to let go of those few moments to have a lot of moments and to allow them to have a lot of moments with someone who wants to have a lot of moments. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, totally. So, I, mean, I, I went through that when I got divorced. Yeah, I, was there, I was not happy. And then I was sitting there going, Christmas came along. I'm like, oh, man, I, yeah. I miss Christmas. My buddy said, yeah, but you're miserable. 364 other days a year. That's I said, just it. Yeah. I said, you're right. So yeah. it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Was there a certain, a certain point, a certain thing that happened that made you sit there and go, I can't do this crap anymore. I have to be more um, truthful. Honestly, it was not a, there's not a sharp line. It was a gradual learning about the way I wanted to live my life. And it, I guess that's what it is. It's like you don't learn certain things when you're young because you have to just keep learning as you, it's a process. You know, it's a process. So I couldn't tell you exactly. I just know that it was over time of, um, of learning what integrity meant to me. Integrity meant being truthful, rigorous, radical, honesty. You know what I mean? So much more fun. Now, how do you instill integrity into your children? Because it seems you love them, you work with them, so yeah. you're around them a lot. So, yeah. I mean, as a parent, how do you... Because integrity is such a, is such a strong yeah. thing, but it, it's, it's hard to explain when you sit there and say, okay, here's what integrity is. It's hard to explain, but you know what it is. How do you instill that in them now? Um, I just think really it's by my actions more than anything I could say. I just, you know, they'll hear me say, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not making up that story because that's not the truth. And that's going to postpone or that's going to make pain come. So they hear me just kind of like, they hear me just, I think just walking the, walking the talk, you know, I'm not just talking the talk. I like to try to be an example because teenagers are like, yeah, we don't want to hear from you anyway. Right. Sometimes mostly my younger one, she's my feisty one. And so she'll be like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. You know, I'm like, that's fine. You know, I'll just be an example. So I try to just, you know, cause teens, that's their job. Their job is to resist you a little bit. You know, but I, I just try to be an example on, you know, there are some times where I just flat out say, you know, this is what happens when you don't tell the truth. It seems like you're actually doing something nice for someone, but you're actually altering fate and you're making it miserable for everybody and you're postponing your fate. So you're going to get where you're going to get. You might as well be truthful. So I don't know. I just, I don't really know exactly just how to do it. Happens. It's just something that I, and every day with kids, you know, your kids as they're getting older, you just, you teach them through different experiences. Like my daughter will be in pain about something and I'll bring up, you know, my daughter called me, she was at Coachella, and she was saying, Mommy, I am just keep being afraid I'm going to miss the cool party, and I'm at this party, and I'm like, you know what, honey? You are right where you are, or you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be in your moment having fun, and if you're constantly worried about the next moment, you're not going to, you're going to miss the miracle of your beautiful moment right now, and she was like, you're right, what am I doing? And then the rest of her trip went real smooth. Have you been to Coachella? Love it. Okay, I just you know it's funny, my friend goes every year, and he's like, you have to come, you have to yeah, come. I think it's great that every year, the bands change, like 
I mean, when Coachella started, Ernie, you never thought Steely Dan would be there. And I mean, I don't even know. Some of these kids know who Steely Dan no, is. No, but I do. And did you see them? Did you? Go? I didn't see them. No. Okay, but I mean, isn't it weird that how the bands ACDC, I mean, just show up? That's just it's Amazing. changed. I mean, I heard I heard they killed it. I I wasn't there this year. I had some work to do, but. Um, was ACDC there this year? Yeah, they oh, were like the headliner Friday night. I just saw them on some show recently, and they killed it then, too. It's so. amazing. I remember. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Now, I want to go back to The Voice real quick. Um, now, you got through the first round. Right. And then you, now that was a, you must, that must have been triumphant for you. Incredible. Was that when you sat there and said, did you really, did you really want to win? Or did you sit there once you got past that rest, first round, you said, okay, you know what, I've, I've, I've put my stamp of approval I feel good about this that was that was definitely the big conquer for me was just getting on the show was just saying to myself that I can create music again and not only that but I'm doing a whole other thing in music right now like I'm I haven't even launched it or shared about it but I can share with you guys because we're going to start posting stuff but I reconnected with Michael J who I did better off um, who I did Mind Over Matter with which was a big I think it was the number three dance hit all over the world but um, he's an incredible songwriter, writes for Celine Dion and many, many, many super artists. He's incredible producer, songwriter, and he and I have reconnected and we're doing a whole new dance record together, which is so incredible. And we've already tracked most of it and it's, that's where I'm going right after here, but it's incredible. Going back to, what was there, your question? So I once you got, I mean, once you got into that Yeah, so round. it was my first round was really about just this conquer of just following through with this thing and made it that far. To me, that was the win. That was the win. However, then I won the next round, which was the knockout round. Although they didn't show my whole knockout round, I won the second round. What was happening with me for the third round, which was really tough, was um, my one of my kids was just going through a rough period. And um, and while I was doing the, vo- the voice, I would have her driven to me at the my hotel and I would just try to be there for her because she needed me. She was at that age and she was going through some real tough stuff and it was painful for me. It was painful for me that I couldn't really be there for her and I was sequestered doing the show, which was amazing, but it was a conflicting feeling like here I am doing one of the greatest things of my career and my baby needs me. You know what I mean? Even though she was, you know, she wasn't a baby. It's still it's though. My it's, baby it's, it's your me. good mom. So I mean, that's any, anything a good mom is yeah. going to do. And she called me up one night, like sobbing. And I was like, get your butt over here. I called someone. I said, can you get my daughter and bring her to me? And we said, I held her. I just held her, you know, and that's all she needed. And she goes, I feel better. I can go home now. I'm like, okay. You know, and I sent her home. But, uh, and that was right around the time period when the next, the, the knockouts were coming. Um, and that was when I got knocked off, which was when, um, she was going through a real rough period and I didn't know where she was the night before and I was worried and and uh, I hadn't slept all night and basically it was like a big sabotage and and again it was okay because I I couldn't believe that I I'd already come that far. But you already you already did well. Yeah, and I just sort of felt like the universe, my baby needed me and that was what I needed to do. And if I'd have gone further, I wouldn't have been able to be be there for her at such a p- critical point in her life. And I would have been sequestered for a longer period of time. And I knew deep in my gut that wasn't going to work for my child. Well, that's good, though. See that? But, but, but you did. And, but you got the voice and you conquered the voice. I conquered the voice. You guys so, got to go see it. Go look at YouTube, EG Daily Breathe. So what made you transfer to go, go back to playing dance music? What was, I mean, was it something you um, missed that? It was basically I was at a Grammy party. Um, uh, and also everybody go to egdaily.com. It's my website. It's got all the stuff on there. It's got the Breathe thing, egdaily.com. Um, uh what was the question? What made you decide to go back to the dance Oh, music? yeah. That was, I was at a Grammy party, and I had such a strong, absolute, clear message. I'm super intuitive, and the message was, time to do a dance record. 
it was very, very solid and clear. And I was sitting with my friend Jim Wilson, who's an amazing artist. And I said, Jim, I think I got it. I'm supposed to do a dance record. I'm just hearing really clear, loud and clear. I need to do another dance record. It's time. And he said, you should be working with Michael J again. And while we were sitting right there, he texted Michael J and said, Michael, you and Easy should do another dance record. And right when I was leaving the party, as I was walking out the door, Michael J was sitting in the, on the chair at the party. He had just walked in. And I was like, oh, my God, Michael, did you get his text? I'm like, yeah, I'm stoked. Let's do it. And so then, and he goes, I'm working on something on the Grammys. And so as soon as that's done, and I was like, I'll be busy for the next two weeks, too. Perfect. We got together, and this thing just happened. That's so, and that, the last time you worked with him was how long ago? Well, gosh, I don't know. How and long ago is Mind Over Matter? But isn't that great, though? Better you, off dead. You guys yeah. are still on the same, you're probably still, once you work together, I'm sure you're still in the same oh, wavelength. Just, but you're awesome. probably you're that much better now because oh, you've grown. The music is so phenomenal. I'm so excited. I can't wait for people to hear it. It's phenomenal. Now, when's it going to start coming out? Um, I can't tell you that because we're we're in production right now. We're cutting. We're we're tracking. So I don't know. As soon as I get it done, you know. But I do have a new song that I'm releasing. Just a simple little thing right now. It's it's a cover of a Lifehouse song. Okay. And I'm going to have it up on the website. And it's a really sweet song. And Lifehouse loved it. And they were giving my blessings for me to do it. And when they came to do uh, my my balcony TVLA, I go, I got to play something. And I had happened to cut one of their tracks one time. I loved it so much I cut it. And they said it was the best cover they'd heard of their stuff. And so then I ended up doing a, a video, and it's going to be up on iTunes soon, my version of Trying, which is a Lifehouse song. See, that's so awesome. Okay, we're going to take a break in just a few, and then Yay. I want to come back. I want to talk about your uh, voiceover work, too, because it's very extensive. It's very cool. And I didn't know you did the voice of uh, Two and a Half Men. Yeah, men, and, men, men, yeah, men, I, I men, men. I always wondered. I was like, I was like, who? I was like, who is it? That's it's not the kid, it's but you know, me. but I know. But we're gonna come back with just a few. I know people uh, check her out, uh, egdaily dot com, and it's uh, it's, yeah, go check her out. She has a lot of stuff on the website. Uh, go to my website, coopertalk dot net. As I said, I have uh, a bunch of episodes up there. Also, stop the salt dot com. It's my new cookbook. You can check that site Ooh, that out. Sounds good. But keep uh, keep checking us out. We'll be back in just a few, talking about all the wonderful voiceover work she's done. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Talk Hello, to you guys in a few. Are you looking for tacos for any event? Look no further. Okay. Super Tacos. You can hear at Super Tacos with my friends Mario and Edith. Sí, quiero tacos. Their menu includes carne asada, pollo, al pastor, lengua. It also includes the jalapenos, grilled onions, and rice and beans. I'm so hungry. If you mention the grab bag show, you get free rice and beans. Que un grab bag? It's one bag with rice and beans. Okay, I'm hungry. Just mention the Grand Bank Show and just get the free rice and beans. You can call Mario 626-487-4068. That's Mario 626-487-4068. Super Tacos, muy bueno para la quinceañera. You can do it. Call Super Tacos at Mario Needed 626-487-4068 for any taco catering event. Super Tacos! For 10 years now, the Indie Bible has helped thousands of independent artists gain more exposure for their music. The 10th edition features 4,200 publications that will review independent music and 3,400 radio stations that will play independent songs. It also includes hundreds of labels, distributors, and digital download sites. Over 9,000 contacts in all included are 50 helpful articles written by music industry experts. The Indie Bible shows musicians where they can get their music reviewed, their songs played, and their CDs sold. For details and to order online, Visit www.ndbible.com. Remember abundance.
Pete's. At Jakey's Pizza, don't cut back. Cut loose with our all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. Less belt tightening. More belt loosening. Shakey's all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. Have you heard of PrankDog.com yet? They're our new hot phone prank greeting company. PrankDog.com. Has Barack Obama calls that sound like more Obama than Obama. This is a lot of fun. You have to check it out to see what that means. My fellow Americans. PrankDog.com has wake-up calls, happy birthday calls, interactive calls, customized calls, free ringtones, etc. Go to PrankDog.com and click on send a free phone greeting. PrankDog.com. Go ahead. Get in trouble. Hello? Welcome back to Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. And uh, today I'm only as hip as E.G. Daly, who we've been talking about the voice and, and just her really good outlook on life. And we're going to be talking more about her uh, voiceover work, which is amazing that you've had a really uh, long, long career in voiceovers and yeah. very successful. When did you start doing the voiceovers? Um, I started making little voices when I was about seven years old. I literally would do baby voices when I was really young and walk around the playground holding my best friend's pinky. Okay. And we would talk like babies. So it started really young, which is why I always tell everybody, pay attention to what you do when you're a kid because those weird little things might be something that might change your life. So I started doing real young, and then it wasn't until I did a play in L.A. called Tansy, Tarzana Tansy, that was at the Roxy, and it was pretty popular. And... um Again, I did that play for fun because I just loved music, singing, and it was a musical. And then I ended up getting voice agent and a major record deal. And um, that's when I started in the play. I had to do all these different age ranges. And some agent came opening night at the Roxy. I had been already at a small theater, and it moved to this big theater. And he said, you're really great with your voice. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I didn't think anything of it because I always sang, sang, and I was an actress. So I just knew that I could could put put the two together i could do character roles but this time i was doing baby voices and little children's voices in the play and he goes you're really good at your voice and i was like cool he goes come see me so i went to go see him and uh first thing i auditioned for he was a voiceover agent was a commercial which i booked and then the second thing i went up for was a cartoon which i booked which was uh tommy pickles on rugrats and that ended up being like 15 years worth of work yeah i always sit there i think because you know i remember and i i mean i'm i used to watch rugrats because it was, it was fun to watch you know yeah. and uh did you? I mean, it's like anything. When you when you get that voice is new to you, and then you get this this show. Did you ever? I mean, when you think about it, you know, you go in and you play Tommy, and, and when you look at the Rugrats, he's got the hair and the glasses, and it's just it's it's so different, and it's just it, it was. I mean, that's the beginning of Nickelodeon. I think one of their big hits. Did you think that it would run that long and just become? I mean, no. Everybody mm. knows the Rugrats. No, no, no. It's no. We just did it, and we knew it was good, and they spent a lot of time and care on it. Like every line, the directors were so specific, and and the the writers were so good. The show was just so well done. Classy Chupo, the creators were so meticulous and so talented. You know that you knew it was going through such an incredible filter of making the show great. And uh, none of us knew. I mean, it was over a period of a lot of years. So it would be like, oh, we're doing really well. Oh, we just won an Emmy. Cool. Oh, we just won a star on the walk of fame cool it was like always just pleasantly surprised what was the day like like when you would do those shows but how long would you be in the studio and i mean i guess you did i don't know it seemed like there's a lot of episodes of that each year i did 14 years i don't know even how many episodes that is but that's a lot i mean but did you was it a lengthy process like when you recorded a show no i would go in and probably take me between an hour or less and two hours maybe and that's it 
pretty much that's it. That's pretty good. Then we do a feature film. It would take me like six hours one day, maybe six hours another. That film would be done. And now the, you did the uh, Powderpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls, yeah. I was doing that at the same time and uh, not as long. And again, that was the same thing. I'd go in with the girls, Kathy Cavadini and Tara Strong, and we'd just laugh our butts off and do Powerpuff Girls. Super fun. Now, when people find out you're those voices, yeah, do they sit there? Like, let's say you're, let's say you're at a party, yeah, you're just hanging out, having fun, yeah. Someone goes, hey, hey, do you know she was the uh, Tommy Pickles? Yeah, do the voice, do did, the did, voice. Did, does, does that annoy All you? All the time. I mean, how often does it happen? And, oh, and, it doesn't annoy me. No, it's so sweet. It doesn't. It's sweet as all hell, if I can say hell. It's so you can sweet. say hell. You can say whatever you want. It's super sweet because it you just see people light up like kids, and you don't get to see that that often. So it's off. It's an awesome thing to me. And uh, you see like grown men saying, "Oh my god, I grew up on my grass. That's so cool!" And you just it's beautiful. It's so sweet. See, that's good. Now, now, how did the two and a half men thing come up? Because that was um, that was simply I had known Chuck Lorre, creator of uh, Two and a Half Men, and a lot of shows. Everything. Yeah, Chuck Lorre, super talented guy, and uh, I knew him. And one day, I get a call from his office saying Chuck wants to talk to you. And Chuck had said, um, "We're looking for someone that could do the voice part of the singing for the theme song, but we're seeing um, all the young, talented." boy singers from Broadway like Les Mis and they were trying to get a real kid singer that was real high-end legitimate kid and they I was only grown up and they said so we can't you know don't count on it but we'd like to hear you too and I was like no worries what do you need they said what do you you know they said well we just don't want you to get your hopes up. and I was like don't worry don't worry it's fine right. don't worry <laughs> whatever send me a copy of the kid's voice he sent me the tape of the kid's voice. And he sort of talked like this back then. He sort of like sounded like a stoner, right? And uh, and then I thought, well, how would that kid sing? And then they sh- they played me the song. And then I went in there for like 15 minutes. And I cut, men, 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 menly men. And the next thing you know, as I, I booked it and... It's been however many years. I know. Isn't that crazy? Show. Like, it's it's like it's this gig you did years ago, and yeah. the show ran for like 11 years. That's what you call the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, God, I know. And and that's what the funny thing is. And I always, I thought it was a, a, a boy, too. I didn't know. I thought it was like, I thought maybe it was like Chuck Lorre or one of his friends or one of the writers yeah. who, who were doing it. No, it was me. But I tend to get, I'm, I'm sort of the secret sauce for a lot of those things, like things like where they need a boy or they need someone to sound like the boy, you know. Um, and so they bring me in because I'm a voice match. Like I do... I'm able to do voice match sounds. And so if they can't find someone, to, they bring me in because I just, I have that ear, that singer ear where I can actually imitate people's voices. Now, are you still doing a lot of voice work these days? Yeah, lots and lots. Like yeah. what are some of the projects you're working um, on? Well, I do like, I'm, um, um, I do Avengers. I do a character named Moonbeam. And uh, um, I do, um, what's the show called? Max and Wrigley. I do a show called um, uh, Julius Jr. That's on Nick Jr., I do a lot. It's you know I do a lot of different. Um, um, what's the new character that I do? Um, it's hard to remember. I do so many of these. I do a lot of games. I do a lot of voice work. It's pretty incredible. I do voice radio, t- TV commercials, promos. You know, you know whatever it is. Tonight on Vox, Family Matter. You know whatever it is. So um, just all kinds of voice work. And stuff. do they just call you because they know of your of your? No, thing? not necessarily. Okay. I mean, some people do. Some people do, like casting directors will be like, we want to see EG for this and so and so and so and so because we know their voices and we think it's one of these girls. So it might be me against a couple of my friends and uh, or it might be me a bunch uh, up against a whole bunch of people or sometimes they will just hire me. 
it depends. Now, are you still acting at all? Yeah, I just wrapped a Rob Zombie movie, probably one of the most incredible badass characters I've ever done in my career. Did you did you kill people? Did you beat I'm people? I'm not going to I can't tell you okay. cuz I signed an NDA, but I will tell you that it is one of the most badass characters I've ever gotten to do. And such a blast and Rob it was my second Rob Zombie movie and I knew when I got the call, my agents were like, oh, Rob Zombie's got a role he wants you to do. I was like, oh, it's going to be fun, and cool. it's going to be off the chain, and that's what it was. It's pretty incredible. It's called 31. You guys can go online and kind of... Uh, my character, I can say my character's name. It's called My character's name is Sexhead. So this is all the characters like Doomhead, Sexhead, okay. Deathhead, and uh, I'm Sexhead, so you can go online and look up what basically what Sexhead kind of looks like. There's some animation drawings of her, and... It's pretty awesome, pretty unbelievable, fun, fun role, and that should come out. I don't know exactly when, but there we just wrapped. I probably wrapped a few days ago. Now, are you, do you act a lot these days, or just yeah. besides that? I mean, yeah. what, what do you what do you get the most joy out of? Is, are they all the same? Um, what do you mean, acting, music, acting, or, music, or it's voiceovers. all different? It's like you're asking me if I like yummy, warm Toll House chocolate chip cookies, or Hagen Dust yummy ice cream, okay. or. You know, or I, you know, yeah, it's, they're all yummy. I can't really. Do you go in modes though, where sometimes your modes, you're more interested in music, sometimes yeah. acting, like it's something yeah. that we do, we all do that. It's I like, don't even go in those modes. Those modes sort of dictate me. Like sometimes acting is more calm and quiet. And then I'm like, oh, I feel like doing music again. And then the music starts happening. It's like, you know, how the, the seasons come like right around, right before it starts to be summer. You're like, I miss summer. I want summer. It, they always come right around the right time when you're, it's your body's like conditioned for like, now I want winter again. Right. It's kind of like how it is for me with art. It's like, I feel like doing music now again. It's like, oh. Oh, I need to do a movie again and it just sort of works itself out you know and I just and now I happen to just wrap the Rob Zombie movie and I'm right into the record I actually started doing the record just before the Rob Zombie movie too though so that's kind of been intertwined you know and then I produced my daughter's video in, in Death Valley two weekend three weekends ago and that was incredible so right this moment I'm sort of merging them all together a little bit but it's great now when you get done the dance record are you going to actually start doing live performances to support it or oh, yeah, what's yeah. your plan oh yeah that'll that'll happen now, we'll do yeah do you like do you like the stage do you love like it. being live on stage I mean love it. especially love after the voice you must have just got that probably just really kickstarted you back into yeah. how great it feels I'm a big fan of live stuff I just really love audiences I love seeing people's faces and connecting and touching hands and I, I just like connection and yeah, it's it's really it's pretty awesome the live stuff. It's pretty much the most magical too. When you get to see and feel people right there. It's great. And they get to feel you. It's pretty incredible. Plus, you know, I talk to people. I'm pretty personal on stage. And that's why I think the seminar the seminar will be fun for all you guys who want to grow and really learn some cool things. That, you know, check out the once I post it, the 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 EG Daily up close and personal seminar. It's pretty cool and and uh You'll get to know me a lot. It's pretty personal. That's mm-hmm. cool, man. I want to. I want to thank you for coming by. It was, uh, we went. We went back and forth, and I went through your system. And it's so <laughs> hard. It's so. And you're so busy that I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm just. I'm flattered that you came in because <laughs> I. You know, it's so funny. I, I tell people they go, "Hey, you know, do you get this person on?" And sometimes I'll talk to someone, <laughs> and it'll be like six months later. Or I mean, I, I had one guy. I don't know how long it took us to get him. Oh here. yeah. And it's always great because I, I, I'm, I'm. I'm a fan of your work, and you do yeah. so much. And now you have to give people all your. Uh, all your info. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at real EG daily. EG daily is spelled E G D A I L Y. Just remember how you spell daily news. So it's at real EG daily Instagram, real EG daily Vine, I think it's just each daily. Um, and Facebook is, there's a fan Facebook and there's a personal, I don't really have a lot of, uh, 
I don't really let a lot of people on the personal one because my kids and stuff are on there. We have kind of personal stuff going on. But I post a lot of the similar stuff. There's very few things I just keep on for my mom and my family. But the fan one is out there. You can like my page on Facebook. And all that is on um, egdaily.com. Go to egdaily.com. You can click on my Facebook and my Twitter from there. Well, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. And people, uh, follow me at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I'm always tweeting weird stuff. Also, coopertalk.net is my website. I have over 360 episodes up there. You can uh, email me at cooper at coopertalk.net. iTunes and Stitcher, type in one word, Cooper Talk. And then, then don't forget, you have to get my cookbook. Go to stopthesalt.com. You know, when I got out of the hospital, I had to change my uh, diet completely. It's all low-sodium recipes, 120 of them. And they're very easy to make. There's no pictures because people get intimidated by pictures. So look at them. There's... Uh, Basic ingredients, because I know I have a spice rack at home, but if you know, when I have a recipe that calls for like cumin or if I don't have tahini, I get pissed and I don't even cook that thing. So it's all basic. There's little little funny quotes about the food before it, and you can check that out. And you can buy it at Amazon. It's nine ninety nine plus three ninety nine shipping, or you can buy it from me, which I make more money. It's nine ninety nine, same thing, three ninety nine shipping, and I will autograph it for you. So anyway, I want to thank my guest E.G. Daly. Please okay. follow her okay. at Cooper Talk. Don't forget, I want to give a shout out to Brody James over there at All Radio X and Dub Steve Benz at WSDI Chicago. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water. You're pretty hip. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> I love I you Take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend <laughs> all right